Chapter four, the bad table manners cure. Slop, slurp, gulp, bang. Christopher Brown was through with his milk. His mother was in the pantry polishing silver, but she didn't have to go into the kitchen to see that Christopher was through eating. She could tell because the noises had stopped. Mrs. Brown was terribly ashamed of Christopher's table manners, and she talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, but so far it had done a speck of good. Christopher was 10 years old and a very nice little boy in other ways. He had red hair. He was a fine baseball player. He was a good sport. He got excellent grades in school, and he kept his room reasonably neat. But he certainly had horrible table manners. No, that isn't right. He really had no table manners at all. He ate just like an animal, a starving wild animal. Mr. and Mrs. Brown had gradually become used to Christopher's table manners. Of course, they made him eat in the kitchen, but what worried Mrs. Brown so terribly was that someday one of Christopher's friends would invite him to dinner, not just a children's party. Chris had been to lots of those, and he was so much fun and so good at the games that the children didn't care if he ate like a starving animal. No, Mrs. Brown was afraid he'd be asked to stay all night or to visit in another town or to go to the country with some of his friends' families. How dreadful it would be when Christopher took his first bite and began to chew. Christopher chewed with his mouth open so that you could see all the food as he rinsed it around in his mouth. Also, he smacked his lips so loud it sounded like someone slapping their hands on water. He gulped when he swallowed. He washed food down with milk. He made enormous piles of meat, potatoes, peas, carrots, and gravy on his fork and then thrust the fork so far down his throat you could hardly see the handle. He used his thumb to assemble big fork loads. He propped his knife and fork against his plate with the handles on the table. He buttered whole slices of bread on his hand. He chopped and smashed and mixed his food until his dinner looked like dog food. He picked up his soup bowl and held it just under his chin while he slurped his soup. He talked while he was chewing. He gestured with a fork full of food so that bits of food shot around the room like stones from a slingshot. I could go on indefinitely about Christopher's table manners, but I think I've told you enough to show you that having Christopher sitting beside you at the table was almost exactly like eating next to a wolf. Watching him eat was certainly not a sight to weave the appetite. Mrs. Brown rubbed polish on the silver and thought about Christopher's table manners and was sad. There should be a school for table manners, she said to herself, and attendance should be mandatory. The telephone rang. It was Mrs. Thompson, Dick's mother. She said, I'm having a few of Dick's friends over for dinner a week from Saturday. My brother Charles, the big game hunter, is going to visit us for a few days, and I thought it would be so nice if some of Dick's friends could meet Charles and see his movies of hunting lions and tigers in Africa. I'm just asking Christopher, Hubert Prentice, and Larry Gray, because there will be 12 grown-ups too. Mrs. Brown thanked Mrs. Thompson, said that she knew Christopher would be delighted, and then went out and made herself a big pot of black coffee. Her hands shook when she poured the first cup. Twelve grown-ups and Mrs. Thompson's famous brother, Charles, all sitting at the table with Christopher. Mrs. Brown couldn't bear even to think about it. Oh, what will I do? What will I do? She said. She would give Christopher a good talking to, and he would be very nice and pleasant and agree to everything she said and really try to have better manners for a meal or two. Then back he goes, slurp, splash, smack, crunch, choke, gurgle, go, bang. Mrs. Brown shuddered. She called her friend, Mrs. Penzel. She said, Mrs. Penzel, I'm not going to beat around the bush. My son Christopher has the worst table manners in the whole world, and I don't know how to cure them. Do Percy, Pamela, and Potter have nice table manners? Mrs. Penzel said, why, I never noticed, Mrs. Brown. You see, Percy, Pamela, and Potter have always been allowed to make their own decisions about everything. As soon as they were born, we gave them free reign, and actually, I haven't seen them eat for several years. What do they live on, Mrs. Brown asked. Oh, they eat, said Mrs. Penzel, but only when the need for food occurs to them. 
Now Potter eats nothing but peanut butter and poppy seeds, and he always eats at night. He says that eating during the day is much too common a practice and should be stopped. Pamela eats nothing but weenies and bananas. She does her own shopping and peels the bananas herself, which I think is very progressive for a child of seven years. I don't, said Mrs. Brown crossly. I think it's dreadful to let a child live on weenies and bananas. What does Percy eat? Percy? Now let me see, said Mrs. Penzel. Oh, yes, Percy. Why, Percy eats anything. He is most cooperative. Just give him cookies, candy, marshmallows, cake, ice cream, and root beer, and you don't have to worry about Percy. He's a fine boy. Mrs. Brown said, well, Mrs. Penzel, I guess everyone has their problems. You have cheered me up a lot, and I do hope you know a good doctor. You're going to need one. Mrs. Pencil said, oh, I think not. Both Mr. Pencil and I were brought up the same way, and we're both terribly happy. Mr. Pencil never eats anything but kippered salmon and grape nuts, and I never eat. Mrs. Brown hung up the phone. Kippered salmon and grape nuts. Ugh. She called Mrs. Piggle Wiggle and told her the whole problem. She didn't leave out a thing when she described the way Christopher ate and when she told about the dinner party he had been invited to and how ashamed she was going to be. She got tears in her eyes. Mrs. Pigglewiggle said, now, Mrs. Brown, don't worry so. Christopher is such a darling boy, and I know how to cure him. It's going to take cooperation on your part, and it may be a little inconvenient, but I have the cure. I'm going to lend you Lester. Lester, said Mrs. Brown, who is he? He's a pig, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Oh, no, said Mrs. Brown, not a pig. I have no place to keep a pig, and this is a restricted neighborhood. Just a minute, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Lester is absolutely no trouble. He has beautiful manners, is very quiet, and sleeps in the basement, so nobody in the neighborhood need know about him. But where shall I put his trough, said Mrs. Brown. Oh, Lester doesn't use a trough, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. That's the whole point. Lester has the most beautiful table manners you have ever seen, and I want him to eat at the kitchen table with Christopher. You'll be very surprised. Lester will teach Christopher how to eat. But it sounds fantastic, said Mrs. Brown. I know, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Every mother I send to Lest, send Lester to has the same feeling. But let me tell you that once you've had Lester in your house, you won't want to let him come home to me. I always have that trouble. Everybody adores Lester and wants to keep him. Oh, by the way, he likes to sleep on a clean blanket on the basement floor. Also, he likes to have the basement door left open so he can go out for his exercise after dark and when the neighbors are asleep. Have Christopher stop by after school and I'll send Lester, Lester over. Mrs. Martin just returned him this morning. But what does he eat, said Mrs. Brown? Exactly what Christopher does, except much larger portions. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. Lester is very fond of coffee. He takes cream and sugar and he often drinks as many as five cups at a meal. Now, don't worry, Mrs. Brown. Fix Lester a nice bed on a clean blanket by the furnace and I'm sure he'll solve all your problems. Goodbye. Mrs. Brown went up and got a clean blue blanket out of the guest room closet and with many misgivings unfolded it and put it in the floor beside the furnace in the basement. She looked at the clock. She had 10 minutes before she could expect Christopher. She made some cocoa with whipped cream, fixed two plates of ginger cookies, one much larger than the other, and polished two large red apples. She got out spoons and napkins and then remembering what Mrs. Piggle Wiggle had said about Lester's manners, she took two of her good linen doilies and put them on the kitchen table. At exactly 3.30, there was a knock at the back door, and there stood Christopher, who usually never knocked, and a large white pig. Christopher said, Mother, this is Lester, and we've got to keep him. Oh, he's fun. He's so smart. He knows everything, don't you, old boy? Mrs. Brown said, Come in, Christopher and Lester. I have some cocoa for you. Christopher said, Oh, boy. He dashed over to the table, me gulping his cocoa. 
Lester walked daintily into the kitchen, closed the door carefully behind him, climbed up and sat down across the table from Christopher. Christopher was jamming his mouth full of cookie and washing it down with cocoa. Lester looked at him, then took one cookie carefully between the split in his front hook and ate it very slowly with tiny bites. He picked up his cocoa cup with his hook and after one small sip, put it carefully down while he patted his snout with his napkin. Christopher stopped eating or at least stopped chewing to watch Lester eat. Christopher's mouth was open but full. He had whipped cream on his upper lip and crumbs on his chin. Chin. Lester reached across the table and gently closed Christopher's mouth. Then he wiped the whipped cream off his upper lip and the crumbs off his chin. Christopher was delighted. He said with his mouth full, gosh, you're smart, Lester. Lester put his hoof across his lips and pointed to Christopher's full cheeks to indicate no talking with a mouthful. Christopher looked up at his mother. Isn't he smart, mother? Isn't Lester wonderful? Lester looked at Mrs. Brown and she was sure he winked at her. It usually took Christopher about three and three and a quarter minutes to gag down his cookies and cocoa. This day, either because of the excitement of having Lester with him or perhaps because of the good example set by Lester, Christopher was still eating at four o'clock. Mrs. Brown came downstairs to clear up the cocoa things and was surprised to find that Christopher had only just finished and Lester was but halfway through. Mrs. Brown asked Lester if he'd care for some more cocoa and he nodded his head and handed her his cocoa cup. Christopher said that he didn't care for any more and began eating his apple crash, crunch, smash, gulp. Lester reached across the table and took away the apple from him, got down off his chair, went over to a drawer in the kitchen, took a knife and cut Christopher's apple into small sections, cored each section, put them on the empty cookie plate and handed the plate to Christopher. Christopher put a whole section of apple in his mouth. Lester shook his head at him, reached over and took one of the sections and took one very small bite. Chris gulped down the first section and took another, but this time instead of stuffing it all in his mouth, he took one small bite. Lester nodded approvingly at him. At 4.30, both Lester and Christopher had finished their cocoa and apples, and Christopher took Lester down to the basement to show him his bed. Lester carefully looked around the furnace room, straightened out several wrinkles around the, on the blanket, then nodded to Christopher to show him the bed was all right. They went into the game room. There was a tennis ball on the floor. Lester picked it up and threw it at Chris. Chris caught it and threw it back. Lester caught it nearly in his mouth and then took it with his hooves and threw it at Chris. They played ball until it was time for the mystery cowboy radio programs that Christopher listened to every evening.